son as his sacrifice to take away our sins. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and compassion and kindness. Thank you, God, for your patience with me. God, you know, you know each and every one of us. God, I'm so grateful for the sacrifice that you made so that, so that we can see you in heaven one day. God, I pray that you'd be all, all of us as we worship this morning. I pray that we'd sing and praises to you this morning. I pray that you'd be with, with Bryson as he preaches. These things I ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, I forgot one thing. It's Barb's <laughs> birthday, y'all. So we, let's sing happy birthday to Barb. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. If you will stand, we're going to begin this morning with singing an older hymn. I, I thought we had done it before, and we had to put it in the computer, so that's always exciting. We're going to sing We'll Understand It By and By. Stand it there. 
Stand. We're going to sing together this morning. We're going to sing How Great Is Our God.
worship and fellowship with one another, God. Lord, thank you for just being a great God. Lord, I pray that this morning we'll be reminded that in every situation that we don't understand, that every situation we're excited for, for every situation we're uncertain about, God, Lord, we just have to choose Christ and choose that he knows what's best and that everything is in his divine and perfect plan, Lord. Open our hearts right now as we prepare um, to study your word, God. Lord, use Bryson as a vessel that you speak through this morning, Lord. Um, just clear our thoughts and open our hearts. We love you and praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Children are dismissed to Children's Church, even though I already see the mass exodus beginning. Um, just for good measure. If you didn't know, they can go ahead and head on back. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Um, Neil gave me the option this week, as he usually does if he's not going to be here, to, uh, to either go on with whatever series he's doing or kind of do my own thing, something I've already taught. But I felt like it was good to go ahead and, and, and move to the next, to keep the momentum of 2 Corinthians intact and go ahead and move on to the next scripture. Um, so we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 this morning. Um, I only have two points, so some of you are already intrigued, right? Two points. Um, it's good. I, now I got your attention. Um, but chapter 10, chapter 10 was the beginning of a, of a section in, in the book of 2 Corinthians where Paul is having to defend 
his apostleship or defend his ministry. Um, as we saw in chapter 10, Paul takes this stance against these so-called super apostles or these apostles that are, that are you know, self-centered, man-centered. And, and he's, in chapter 10, he had just begun the defense of his ministry. He has just made it known through, through what he has written that you know, boasting and comparing yourself to other people is foolish. Um, because in reality, uh, the only comparison that truly matters and opens our minds and hearts to truth is when we compare ourselves with Christ. Um, it humbles us, but yet lifts us up at the same time. And so, in that, we come to chapter 11. And so we're going to go ahead and read through the text. And as we go through, I'm going to have a few comments in a couple of sections. But um, read with me as we read 2 Corinthians 11, uh, 1 through 15. It says, I hope you will put up with me in a little foolishness. Yes, please put up with me. Now, Paul has already established that it is foolish to boast in pride. But he now says that the circumstances have driven him to, to go a little bit beyond what he would normally do. So what he's saying is, put up with me in a little bit of foolishness. I know I've called comparisons foolish, but you guys are starting to give in a little bit to these super apostles. So I'm now I'm having to, to go outside of what I would call normalcy to defend my ministry. And so it says, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Now, Paul considers himself the, the father of the church in Corinth. Um, and as the father, he has promised them to, to Christ. He has promised them to Jesus. And he's, it's kind of like an engagement. In this time, during an engagement, the, the father of the bride was in charge of making sure that everything was okay with her until the actual marriage took place. And so that's where Paul puts himself in, in, in the eyes of the church. is like, I, I, you're the bride. I, I'm to protect you. I'm to, to lead you. I'm to guide you until the marriage between you and Christ actually takes place. In verse 4, for if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. I do not think I'm in the least inferior to those super apostles. I may indeed be untrained as a speaker, but I do have knowledge. We have made this perfectly clear to you in every way. Now in my Bible, when it says super apostles, it has it in quotations. So there's some, some exaggeration there, you know, super apostles. We do that a lot in our own lives, you know, sarcastic tones. Um, so that's what Paul is speaking to. But he's saying, listen, I know that I don't speak as well as they may speak, and I may not look the way that they look, but I have knowledge. I have truth. And so what we see in those is Paul recognizes his faults. But unlike the super apostles, he's, his, is God, his, uh, his material and what he's speaking is God-given. It is Christ-centered. And so he speaks truth humbly instead of speaking falsehood pridefully. Now in verse 7, it says, Was it a sin for me to lower myself in order to elevate you by preaching the gospel of God to you free of charge? I robbed other churches by receiving support from them so as to serve you. And when I was with you and needed something, I was not a burden to anyone, for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied what I needed. I have kept myself from being a burden to you in any way, and will continue to do so, 
as surely as the truth of Christ is in me, nobody in the regions of Achaia will stop this boasting of mine. Why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. And I will keep on doing what I'm doing in order to cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things they boast about. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising, then, if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Um, we praise you. We thank you for this opportunity just to, to come to your word, Lord, just to open our eyes and open our hearts and open our minds, Lord, to, to what you have for us and allow us to take it and apply it to our own lives in a way that you can show us through your Holy Spirit. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so just as 2 Corinthians chapter 11 may be new to you in terms of studying it and, and receiving it and digesting it, it was the same for me. I don't know that I've ever taught, I know that I've never taught 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and I also don't know that I've ever truly dug in and studied it um, as intensely as preparing for a message would call me to. And so as I was getting into it, it took some time for the flow of it, it took some time for the understanding of, of what, did it, what is it that stands out in this message that Paul's trying to, to get across to us now, to the Corinthians then and to us now, you know, 2,000 years later. And so I just have two points, that's what I said at the beginning, I'm not going to stray from that. Two points to, 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 to pull out. And the first one is this, a godly jealousy. That's in, in, um, in uh, verse 2, he says, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. So Paul, Paul begins this section by letting everyone know that he's going to contradict himself a little bit by engaging in some foolishness, this being the boasting factor, but also the jealousy factor. And so now the false apostles have been continuously boastful. That's been what their MO has been, right? Their, their motivation, their, their attitude and everything is look at us. Don't we look like apostles? You know, don't look at our robes. Look at our, look at our tassels. Look at everything. That's kind of what we read about, what Kyle read about at the beginning, right? Look at all that we are. Look at all that we have. Look at, look at everything that, that's great about us. And so in that, what are, they, what are they building up? What are they focusing on? They're focusing on themselves instead of focusing on Christ. They're saying that their focus is on Christ, but their actions represent something different. The way that they present themselves is me first, Jesus later. And so when we read this and when we look at this, that's how they operate. Now, for a little bit of context, I'm not going to name any names, but there's a certain baseball player, okay, there's, it, baseball's about to start back up, and there's a certain baseball player who had not signed with a new team yet, okay, Bryce Harper, I will say his name. Bryce Harper, I don't know if any of you are big baseball fans, I'm, I keep up with it, but one thing I read about in, on ESPN is that Bryce Harper got offered several different contracts in the 10-year, $300 million range, $300 million to play baseball. That doesn't sound too shabby to me. But Bryce Harper had this idea that I'm not going to take a contract that is not the biggest contract in Major League Baseball history. Okay, so I think the biggest contract before this was $325 million for 10 years. He's like, listen, I want the most money. And so to me, that's what I kind of think about in terms of this, 
this attitude that the super apostles have, like, I deserve the best. I am the best. And so he carried that into his contract negotiations. He ended up getting $330 million over 13 years, which is not important to the, the rest of the story. But what we see there is just this, this arrogance or this, this, this part of me that just knows that I am first, I am best, I deserve the best. And that's kind of the attitude that these super apostles have brought into their teaching in Corinth. They do good for themselves. They boast in order to do, to, to do good for themselves. But Paul's heart, as he comes into uh, chapter 11, is I want to boast in order to do good for Christ. I want to, everything I boast in is in him and in what he does and who he is. So Paul sees the heart of the Corinthians beginning to stray away from the message he's preached to them. He looks at it, and they're beginning to slowly drift away from the truth of the gospel. They're starting to slowly drift away from the truth that he's spoken to them, the truth that they've accepted as a church in Corinth. And what Paul sees in this is he's saddened. He's upset. Now, is he upset because they're straying away from what he's taught? No, Paul is upset because he's, they're straying away from Jesus. And so in this, what I want us to, to realize is when Paul speaks of having a godly jealousy, Paul is so in love with Christ and so in love with those in the church in Corinth that it, it, it strikes him to the heart to see people straying away from the truth of who Jesus is. It strikes him to the heart to see people stepping away from the truth and stepping away from the path that Jesus has for them. Now there's a difference between fleshly, you know, man jealousy and then godly jealousy. I think about this from my own life. There was a time, I'm going back to baseball again. There was a time, I grew up with, with Brian McCann. Um, he was a catcher for the Braves. And now Brian McCann, I was about 10 years old when Brian McCann uh, debuted in the major leagues. And uh, about 10 years later, no, less than that, probably about eight years later, Brian McCann decided to leave the Braves to, for money to go play for the Yankees. Um, and I remember in my own heart, in my own mind, I remember saying this out loud. I said, I hope he never gets another hit again. That's what I said. I was talking to my dad, and I was so invested. You know, I was like, Brian McCann, I hope Brian McCann never gets another hit again. Now, I was jealous. Now, that wasn't godly jealousy. That wasn't jealousy in looking out for the best of Brian McCann, right? That was jealousy that he's no longer aligning with my interests, right? My interests are the Braves. And Brian McCann is now with the Yankees. We, I mean, it could have gone to anybody else, but it had to be the Yankees, right? And now Brian McCann is totally off my radar, you know? And so was I jealous? Yes, but it wasn't, I wasn't jealous for him. I was jealous of him. I was jealous because he was not lining up with what I had to say. And so now Paul looks at the Corinthians, and he sees their straying hearts, and he is cut to the heart. Why? Not because they are deserting him, because they are deserting Christ. Paul loves Jesus, and he loves the Corinthians, and he can't imagine them following these false apostles and giving in to the idea of a, of a different Jesus or a different spirit or a different gospel. Paul's heart is not focused on himself, but on his, resp his responsibility to help preserve the church for Jesus. And so when he talks about having a godly jealousy, 
he talks about having a jealousy for wanting people to be in line with Christ. It's not about him. He's not saying, listen to me because it's me. He's saying, listen to me because it's Jesus through me. Won't you come back to the true Jesus, the true Christ, the true gospel? And even in verse 5 and 6, he has this love-filled correction. I mean, verse 4, he has this love-filled correction. He says, listen, you put up with it easily enough. And so what is he saying to them? Listen, you have opened yourselves up to these false apostles. Don't even give them an opportunity. Close your ears from them. Step away. Get away from the falsehood of what they're preaching and turn back to Christ. Now, that has nothing to do with Paul, and that has everything to do with Jesus. And so that's what I want us to see for it in our own lives. When we want people, when we reach out to people in, in, in terms of bringing them closer to Jesus, it should not be that they align themselves with us, but it should be that they align themselves with him. We want so much for other people to know who Jesus is, to know his love, and to know his grace, and to, and to have salvation, and to spend eternity with us, that that's the reason, that's the heart behind what we're going out and doing as a church. So in everything that we do, whether it be one night in Bethlehem, whether it be youth ministry, whether it be children's ministry, it's not about each of us individually in our ministries. It's about our ministries representing him. And so that's what we ought to do as a church, and that's what Paul is preaching. He's saying, listen, I don't want you back for me. I want you back for him. Because he knows that Jesus is the truth he knows the true gospel of jesus he's saying listen these super apostles they're trying to preach a jesus that looks like themselves but i'm here to tell you that the jesus that i preach is the truth the one that i that i know the one that has given me the words that i've that i've said to you and so it's easy for us to fall into a fleshly human jealousy but we have to have a godly jealousy not that I want people to turn to Christ so that they, they, that they can align their lives with what I have, but that they can turn to Christ so that they can align themselves with him. If we want what's best for people, we want them to know Jesus. If we want to love people, we want them to know Jesus' love. If we want them to, to be happy, we want them to know joy and peace in Jesus. And so all of our thoughts and all of our actions should line up with the fact that we are trying to point people back to him. And so that's what Paul is saying. Is like, I'm defending my ministry. How am I doing that? By telling you that it's not about me. It's about him. And so that's what I see in, the, in this first part is like, listen, I may not speak well. I may not speak like them. I may not look like them. I may not act like them, Right? But I do everything that I do for someone else, and that's Christ. He says, it's not about me, it's about him. And so Paul longs for the Corinthians to know Jesus and to follow him with a godly jealousy. And so that's what we ought to have for those of, that, we know, that we know don't know Jesus. For those who are straying away from the truth is that I want them to come back, not for me, but for him. I want them to, to have a love for him, not, not because I told them to, but because Jesus worked in their lives. It's always about Jesus. It's never about us. A true apostle of Jesus Christ puts him first and themselves last. And that's what Paul is trying to make 
a point of in this first section of 2 Corinthians 11 is like these super apostles put themselves first and then Jesus comes somewhere down the road but I'm putting Jesus first and I, I myself am last. And so that is what it is to, to go after people, to go after the hearts of the Corinthians through Paul's eyes as a true apostle with a godly jealousy. Now the second section um, that the second point that I'm going to make is a free gospel, a free gospel. Now, in this, we see a, a section here in, in 7 through 15 where Paul is speaking about being a burden to the Corinthians. I'm going to read a little bit of it again. In verse 7 it says, what is it, Was it a sin for me to lower myself in order to elevate you by preaching the gospel of God to you free of charge? So Paul has been preaching to the Corinthians, teaching to the Corinthians, without receiving any, any money in return. Now, in this day and age, it was known that if you were a speaker, you really didn't have another job. That's what you did. You spoke, you preached, you taught, and so you would receive money based on what you said. Now, Paul's saying, I don't want your money. I'm speaking free of charge. I don't, I don't, I don't want you to compensate me for what I'm doing. And now the, these false apostles have taken that and they've put on Paul this, this idea that, well, he's worthless, right? Because if he's not accepting money, then he knows that what he's speaking of, what he's saying, is really has no worth. That's the idea, that's the heart behind what they've been doing. They've been saying, listen, this Paul guy, he doesn't accept money for teaching, so obviously what he's saying is not worth anything. And so that's what Paul is having to defend himself from in this next section. Is he, he's trying to defend himself from the fact that they're saying whatever he's saying is worthless because he doesn't receive money for it. Now, if we look at it in our own lives, we do the same thing many times. Many times we put, we, you know, we go to buy products or we go to do a certain thing and, and money is a factor. You know, if it costs more, then obviously it has more value. I learned this. Not too long ago, Valentine's Day, I was a good husband. I put up with me with a little foolishness, okay? I was a good husband, and I made reservations for a restaurant. Man, I did a good job. It was in January when I made these reservations. All right, let's get away. We'll get away from the, from, from the boasting. Now, I, it was a restaurant in noon, and it wasn't that far away. And I looked at the menu, right, before I made the reservation, because I don't want to go somewhere where I don't like whatever they're having. And so I look at the menu, and it's, you know, it's not super pricey, right? But it's a little above my normal, you know, eating, eating out. But I'm thinking, well, it's a special occasion. We'll go. We'll eat. And so, I'm, you know, the menu prices are somewhere, you know, I don't know, in, in a certain range, right? And so little did I know that this restaurant has a special Valentine's Day menu. And that Valentine's Day menu is about twice as much as the normal menu, all right, so we show up, and I'm thinking, I'm going to pay this much. Well, you double that, and all of a sudden, your heart rate gets a little high. Your blood pressure goes up a little bit, okay? But so did my expectations. If I'm walking in there with the, with the original menu, I'm expecting a quality meal. If I'm walking in there with the, the, the twice as much Valentine's Day special menu, I'm expecting the best meal I've ever had. And so we put this in our own lives. We can see the comparison here for the Corinthians. They're thinking, well, Paul, he preaches for free. So what he preaches may not be that great. 
These other super apostles, they'll take whatever money we'll give them. Obviously, what they're saying has worth. And so in our own lives, we can see where, this, where we could fall into this as well. But Paul makes it known that the reason he's doing this is for several, several different reasons. Um, first of all, he did not want to be a burden to the Corinthians. His heart was for the people, not for their money. His heart was for Jesus, not for the, the status of being a great speaker. And so Paul was a tent maker. He worked. And then he, and then he did these things and he spoke. And he said, I don't want your money. Now he accepted money from churches in Macedonia while he was there. Because Paul had this idea that he didn't want to accept money while he was there. But if you were going to send him money as a partnership for the gospel, then he would accept it. And so that was going on. As he was preaching there, there was other churches sending him money to help him while he was there. So he didn't want to be a burden both uh, monetarily and spiritually on the Corinthians. Why else? Why would it be spiritually? Because he did not want to align himself with these false apostles who were accepting money. He's saying, listen, I'm different. And he didn't want, he didn't want anything to do with to looking like the false apostles. Also in this, we see Paul calling out these false teachers for who they are. In, um, in one of the verses down here, verse uh, 13, no, verse 12, it says, I will keep on doing what I am doing, which is preaching without taking any money, in order to cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things they boast about. So Paul looks at these false apostles and says, they want to say that they are equal with me, or even better than me, right? They've established themselves that they are just the same as I am. Well, if that's the case, then let them teach without taking any money. Let them have the heart that I have. And Paul knows in this that he is defending his ministry by saying, they're not going to preach. They're not going to teach for no money. So what he's saying here is, listen, look and see how deceitful they are. Look and see how self-centered they are. You know Jesus and you know his heart. You know his grace, that it's free and that it's given. And so what I'm saying to you is look at my ministry compared to theirs and say, that guy's really after the heart of Jesus. And so he's using this preaching without receiving as a way of undercutting the false apostles. Paul says, true apostles look to Christ first because that is what he did for us. And then most importantly, Paul says the beauty of the gospel is that it's the most valuable thing in the world, but it's free. The most valuable thing in the world, but it's free. There's no monetary price you can put on salvation. Jesus went to the cross for you and I without expecting anything in return. He went as a servant. He went as a savior in order that all we have to do is give ourselves to him. I don't have to work to try to get into heaven. I don't have to pay, right, to try to get into heaven. And so the most beautiful thing about what Paul is doing here is he's representing what Jesus did for us. Listen, I'm teaching to you for no charge. Jesus died for you for no charge. There's, there's nothing that you have to do in order for him to have died for you, for him to have gone to the cross for you. He says, here's the truth, here's the cure, here's the hope, here's the joy, here's the peace. Take it. It's free. These other super apostles, these false apostles, 
they want something in return for what they're doing. They want status, and they want money, and they want prestige. He says, all I want for you is to know him. All I want for you is to know the truth in him. All I want you to know, all I want you to do is know the love that you can feel through him. And that's what we must remember as we live this life. Salvation and a relationship with Jesus and eternity with him is invaluable. It doesn't cost a thing. And what a beautiful picture of the difference between the spirit and the flesh. The flesh says, here is something worthless. Give me something for it. And the spirit says, here is something worth everything. Give me nothing for it. And so what I want us to remember and see in this is that Paul was always Christ-focused, whether in his teaching, whether in his working, whether in his relationships, all that he did was focused on him. And that's the heart that, that Christ wants to put into us. He wants us to have a heart for people that we have a jealousy, not that they come back to us, but that they come back to him. That we have an, a knowledge and a knowing that, that Jesus died for us and that it's invaluable, it's it's incredible. I want to go out and tell as many people as I can about what Jesus did for me just because I know how powerful it is. I know how wonderful it is. And so a short message this morning, but with a lot of application. Where are you, where am I in my life in terms of my heart for him? Am I going out and am I searching out people to tell them about Jesus and to have a heart that's focused on him at all times? So Paul defends his ministry how? Pointing people to Christ. The super apostles, they point people to themselves, but Paul points people to Christ. And so he says that's the truth. That yes, I don't speak well. Yes, I'm different. Yes, I don't look like them. I don't act like them. But I have the Holy Spirit and I have truth in me. And so we ought to go out and do the same to live for Christ, to point people to him and defend him in all that we do. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Um, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity just to, just to come to you and just to love you, Lord. We thank you that we have the opportunity to have life in you. Lord, I pray as we go out and as we seek you, Lord, that we'll just uh, we'll point people to you in everything that we do through our actions and through our, our words, Lord, that people see us and see you working through us. Lord, if we want to be a vessel for you in all, all that we do, just fill us up with your presence, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. I just thank you that I live in a country where I can boldly walk into this house and serve you. I won't have to hide or, or go somewhere in a closet and learn about your word. Thank you for the living word that you sent to us. Thank you for people like Bryson and Neil who, and all our Sunday school teachers who commit part of their time, most of their time, to making sure that we don't stray. Lord, I just ask that when I stray, that you just consider me one of the sheep. You leave the 99 and come and find me and bring me back home. And Lord, I ask you right now to bless these offerings, tithes and offerings. Lord, I just ask you to use them to increase your kingdom. I ask that you go with us this week. Lead us, guys, direct us in all your ways. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thank you for the many blessings you've given each and every one of us in this building. We look forward to many blessings the coming week, most of all, I just thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who paid the price for my sins. And it's his name that we pray. Amen.
normal services tonight for children, yes, and adults in choir practice at 5, but youth leaving at 3.30, so leaving at 3.30, all right, okay. Um, tonight, too, I encourage you this week, <clears throat> if you'll stand for our benediction, sorry, um, write you a sticky note or write somewhere or put a reminder in your phone, and all it needs to say is D now. Like, we greatly need to pray over our youth this weekend for D now and pray over the leaders who are going to be ministering to them. I know me and Brooke are going to head up our girls at my house, and I'll have nine girls there, and the Bledsoe sisters are going to help us. But it's, it's such a powerful weekend, but don't just pray for the weekend. Pray that that will bring our youth in to make them want to do things other than, you know, just go bowling or just come one weekend um, because they need your prayer and they need your support. So please, please, please make some kind of note this week just to be cognitively reminded, hey, I need to pray for D-Now this weekend. Um, and we've got several pastors who feed into them this weekend, and it's an awesome weekend, but it can be even better if our church is supporting it through prayer. So take a chance to pray for that this weekend. Okay, blessing, blessed be the tides. week.